0: Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, we're going to get straight into the Word this morning. Who loves the Word of God? How many of you would say that you actually had some extra word time in lockdown? Almost all of you? Was that good for you? Did you enjoy that? Yeah? How was it coming back to work? (laughs) Excuse me? Was the boss not very kind to you? (laughs) So... uh, there's been lots going on. I want to uh, continue today our series. And uh, over the over the lockdown in the second week of lockdown, the Lord gave me a prophetic message for the body of Christ, for our church. We're going to implement that and put it into action. And so it's one thing to hear the word of God. It's another thing completely to actually put it into practice. The only way we can put it into practice is actually listen, incline our ear, and put our feet to our faith and make it happen. And uh, so you take out some of that, Alwyn, Thank you. And so um, what I want to do is um, we talked about five shifts in a a major reset that God is doing around the world in the body of Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ wants to take back his church. I believe there's been pockets and areas where all of us as leaders and ministers and churches around the world have deviated from God's original plan. And Jesus is taking that back. Praise God. It's called a reset for a reason. And you know, if your phone's not working properly... Uh, sometimes the only way you can get it back on track is to actually turn it off and turn it back on again. Reset the RAM, reset the memory, reset the phone in order for it to work properly. God is doing a reset in the church. And one of the first things that Jesus is focusing on is bringing us from a place of distance in proximity to him, of being far away to drawing us near and close to him. And two weeks ago, I spoke a message on that. And I want to continue out of this same passage this morning, and I want to break it down a little bit more, because my theory is, and my feedback that I've had from a number of people, while you've been in lockdown, there's been a few confrontations by the Holy Spirit that have been going on in your hearts and in your lives. Uh, You know, when we stop and we get off the busy merry-go-round of life, uh, we have a little bit more time to think about what is really happening in this heart of ours. And as a result of some of those um, musings of your heart and my heart, uh, there is some correlation in the spirit that God is wanting to bring about change within our lives. And he's calling us, we heard it in the prophetic, go deeper this morning to understand the breadth, the the, the length, the depth of God's love for us. And so he's got our attention. He's got my attention this morning. And I want to talk about... um, Today, I've called this the spiritual pathogen that is killing many lives. The spiritual pathogen. How many of you know what a pathogen is? It's a, it's a flash word. Well, a pathogen is what we've been fighting in the last three months. It's, a, it's an agent, a virus or a bacteria that creates disease. And that disease, if it's an unknown and new virus has the potential to kill lives as we have witnessed right around the world, the COVID-19 that we've been fighting. But I want to talk today about a spiritual pathogen that's creating disease in the hearts and lives of followers of Jesus Christ. But it also has a very negative killing effect within our lives. You know, uh, some of you, uh, who's had some revelations about yourself? During lockdown, <laughs> hello. Who says some revelations about other people? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like revelations on how tidy your roommates are. You had any revelations on that? All right, how tidy your partner is? Not. You know, how sweet your partner was to you at all times through every day of lockdown. <laughs> They were just oozing sweetness every day. The joy of the Lord was their strength at all times. (laughs) Before you called, they answered you, (laughs) ready to serve you at all times. (laughs) But for many of us, lockdown was a little different. Jeremiah chapter 1 puts it a little clearer for me. See, this is the Lord speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, have set you over the nations and over kingdoms. Number one, to pull down, to root out and to pull down, to trace the problems, to root out and pull down that which is not from him. Secondly, to destroy and to throw down, and that's up to us to not only trace it, but to face it, to man up, to woman up, if I can say that, to uh, the issues that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about in a forced uh, time away from your normal routines of life. And finally, the good part of all that is there's not just a rooting out and a pulling down and a destroying of that which is negative in our lives, but then there's the rebuild. Hallelujah. To rebuild, to plant, and to build, which is to replace it. Trace it, face it, replace it. And allow the Holy Spirit to do a brand new work in your life as God has had some time with you to get your attention and not to run off into the sunset and allow all those wonderful mysteries And the deeper calling of God that's been knocking on your door just to disappear out of your life because you got back on the merry-go-round of life and suddenly everything sped up and that was just a blur in your memory of what God was doing in your life. Can I hear an amen this morning? You know, there's numerous spiritual pathogens that we all face that create spiritual disease and problems in our life. How many of you have faced the giant of unbelief? What about the giant of unforgiveness? When life takes a sudden turn to the left, somebody betrays you, something goes horribly wrong, and suddenly a relationship that was going really well for years and years has been turned on its head. And because of what's happened in that situation, you find it very, very difficult to forgive that person. And it gnaws away and it gnaws away and it eats away at your heart. And you've got to fight it, fight it, fight it on a continual basis until you're willing to surrender to Jesus and allow him to lift that unforgiveness off your spirit. We have things like jealousy, envy, selfish ambition, all spiritual pathogens, agents of spiritual disease that can bring us down in our walk with Jesus. But today I want to speak about a more specific spiritual pathogen that I believe has actually been creating havoc in all of our lives. And this has come by personal experience over the lockdown for me. And it's the spiritual pathogen of hurry. Of hurry sickness. Of busyness. Of overextending our lives so that we can no longer be present in the moment. That we can no longer experience the true heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus because we got distracted, because we got sidetracked, because we got too busy, because we could no longer find God in the busyness of our lives. And you'll all know that. What a shock going from lockdown back into the hustle and bustle of 21st century life where everybody wants to get back on the merry-go-round and then they want to speed it up to make up for all the lost money that's taken place in the last few months and we all understand how challenging that can be. The 21st century life is a challenging life. It's not an easy life. There are all sorts of crippling things that can come and, and come against our lives and create a lot of difficulties for us. It's not easy to be alive and living with the fullness of joy in the 21st century. We have lots of enemies. We have lots of stumbling blocks that would love to trip us up and cause us to fall and to falter. So you talk about hurry. You believe this is a big problem. I believe it's a massive problem. It's an absolutely huge problem within the body of Christ today, within the world today. And we've got to remember, friends, remember the devil is described in the Bible as an angel of light. He comes in subtle ways. He's not going to turn up with his pitchfork. He's not going to turn up with his sulfur breath and his scary gravelly voice. He's not going to turn up. He's going to turn up as as something, as something more simple like, notifications and alerts going off in the middle of your time in the Word or your prayer time, disrupting your flow, and suddenly you were praying and then you're tapping your notifications and and then suddenly you've lost the flow of the Holy Spirit because you got caught up in the distraction and in the busyness of that moment, your attention was robbed. And then just to add source on that, a little dopamine hit from that like on Facebook where you know, you're know you looking to see that affirmation of others and so you're heading back into your feed to get that like and that dopamine hit when somebody likes what you've posted to make you feel good about it. Friends, I tell you, it's a different world that we live in today. Or well, maybe it's just another weekend of overcommitment where your contract states Monday to Friday How come you're working Saturday and Sundays as well? Well, there's nobody else to do it. I've just got to get out there and do it. And suddenly before you know it, you're working seven days, week in, week out, no rest, no respite. You feel your body getting drained, but there's nobody else to do it. And so these are the kinds of things that we're battling. We have become addicted to a life of speed. And I'm not talking about the drug that I used to take. All right? We're talking, we're talking here about the pace of 21st century life has become the default for all of us. And it is so fast that we don't even realise how much it's affecting our lives to the degree that we're actually being robbed of the type of life that Jesus promised us. It is so subtle. It is so weaselly. It is so conniving in nature. And Jesus wants us to take back our lives and give a platform where Christ Himself can become the cornerstone again within our lives, where He's the spiritual director of your life and not that merry-go-round that just keeps getting faster and faster and faster until you don't know which way is up and which way is down. Glory to God. Corrie ten Boom, Uh, from the second war area, a beautiful woman of God. She said this once, and I quote her, if the devil can't get you to sin, he'll just make you busy. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. And the truth in this, friends, is that both sin and busyness disconnect you from God. Hello? (laughs) Yeah. So... We're going to look at this and break this barrier to intimacy down this morning. I'm making this, I'm pre-warning you, I'm making this a two-part message, so you're going to get to the end of the message, and then I'm going to say, but wait, there's more. All right? So I'm just warning you, because I'm laying the platform today for us to get a reality check on the hurry sickness that is affecting all of our lives. And then next week, we're going to break it down on how we can overcome and conquer this in our lives and take our lives back for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we're reading Mary and Martha again in Luke 10, 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Great. 10 out of 10, Martha. Fantastic. Hospitality. Opening your house to visitors. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Distracted and over-busy. Did it affect her? Oh, yes, it did. It affects all of us. Distractions and busyness impact all of our lives without a shadow of a doubt. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Sounds like a good sibling spat, doesn't it? And Jesus answered and said her, to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled. Not only distracted, not only over busy, but now worried, worried, and troubled. This is what hurry sickness does to our lives. This is what overcommitment does to our lives. This is what busyness does to our lives. We find ourselves troubled, filled with anxiety and worry. Is anybody registering with this this morning? Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. One thing. One thing will answer the issue that is plaguing our lives. Jesus said one thing is needed. Not optional, not multi-choice. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So in other words, Jesus wasn't about to give Mary a, a tap on the tush and say, get up and help your sister. He said to Martha, who's over-anxious, busy, distracted, and worried, she's chosen the good part, the one thing that is needed, and I can't take it away from her. Wow, time invested at the feet of Jesus and solitude and rest connecting with the living God will never be taken away from you. It has something so incredibly positive to put within your life that when you have it, you don't want to give it away. And all of you right now are faced with the hurly-burly pace and the exceptional speed of light world that we're living in that is trying to rob what you just gained in lockdown. And it's a spiritual disease that will take as much as you're prepared to give to it, which will rob you of the abundance of the life that Jesus has for us. You know, the number one problem we have today, it's not time, it's how we are coping with time. We all get the same amount of time every week, every single one of us. But what's happened is that we're too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives with Jesus. You just think about this for a moment. What's the number one answer that you most hear from people when you say, how's it going? Oh, good. I'm I'm really busy. I'm really busy. I'm really busy. Guilty as charged. The problem isn't just having a lot to do friends this is what the problem is is that you've got too much to do and the only way to keep up is to hurry up you've got too much to do and the only way to keep up is to hurry up and we slip back into the hurry zone and we lose greatly in the midst of that Um, Recently, a university study in one of the American universities, I uh, read the stat, got the proper quote, reveals that over 20,000 Christians were surveyed and they discovered that busyness was the number one major distraction from spiritual life. 20,000 respondents over a survey. That's a lot of people. That's a fairly accurate outcome that you'll get from a survey of that size. And this is what they discovered. Number one, Christians are assimilated to the culture of busy- busyness, hurry, and overload. The word assimilated means that you have been engulfed by it. You've been engulfed by the pace and the quickness and the speed of 21st century life. Secondly, that as a result of that, God has become more and more marginalized in your life, which leads to, number three, a deteriorating relationship with Jesus. In other words, as you speed up and as you join the hurried life, then you're beginning to lose something that Jesus purchased on your behalf, connection with the living God, and it starts going out the window. And fourthly, that leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting assumptions about how to live. And those assumptions, friends, are mostly not built on the Word of God. They're built on cultural norms that cultural commentators are spouting, things you see in the news, things you see in magazines. And because we've got a deteriorating relationship, we lock on to other stuff that isn't quite got the ring of truth to it. Are you hearing me on that one? And lastly, it leads to the final point, number five, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. finished proverb says this, God did not create hurry. I like that. It's very simple. Let me explain further to you this morning. Who would agree with me that love is the highest value in the kingdom of God? Jesus said it. Paul the Apostle said it. There's these three things, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these three things is love. Love is the highest spiritual commodity that and value that you can have operating within your life. Jesus said the first and great commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What happens when you get too busy? What gets eroded? Your strength. What happens when your strength gets eroded? A Netflix binge comes on. A chocolate binge comes on. And before you know it, you've just been robbed again, not only of of loving God and spending time with God, but you just wasted a whole weekend doing nothing. You saw my friend this morning. He said, love God. And he said, love your neighbor as Yourself, But Lord, where do I get the time to love my neighbour? I'm just, I'm just trying to love my family. You want me to love my neighbour too? Well, where's your margins? Where's your margins? See, you'll never practically love your neighbour if you don't build margins into your schedule and into your life to make time for your neighbours. The truth about love, friends... And don't take this the wrong way, but the truth about true love is that it's painfully time consuming. Any parent anyone that's had children, you've got 20 years ahead of you of time consuming attention. Yeah, actually yeah, it shifted the goalpost shifted it's now 20s now moved to 30. <laughs> They're coming home and they're going back, and they're coming home and they're going, what are they doing? <laughs> and so we understand that true love is painfully time consuming. Anyone in a close relationship with another person, if you want that relationship to work, it takes that love is spelt T I M E time. And if you don't have that time to invest in your relationships, Guess what's going to happen to your relationships? They're going to get fractured. They're going to begin to come apart at the seams. Uh, As someone once said, come apart before you come apart. Come apart with Jesus before you come apart. Amen? And so we find this. We find this equation at the end of all this. Hurry and love are incompatible. Like oil and water... they, They will never mix together. They can't mix together. Hurry and love are incompatible. There's a reason why the Bible says that we are to walk with God, not run with God. Hello. The Bible continually talks about Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God took him. The Bible teaches us that we are to walk with God. Jesus never ran with anyone. But he walked with all of his disciples, his apprentices. Everywhere they went, they walked. And as they walked, they talked. As they talked, they connected. As they connected, they built relationship. As we walk with God, we've got to slow down to the right speed. So this is what I've discovered. That love has a speed. It has an inner speed. God's love is has an inner speed a spiritual speed and jesus commends mary what is he commended for she's discovered the speed of love wow. she's discovered the speed of love she slowed down long enough to connect with the lover of her soul jesus christ she chose the one thing that was needed the good thing she chose And she synchronized her heart with the Lord because she got on the right speed wavelength. Thank you, Jesus. And Martha, unfortunately, was still trying to discover love speed. She was out of sync. You know, she had a metronome using a musical term that sets the tempo of the song And her metronome was going too quick for the pace of the music. She was out of sync. And Jesus called her out on it. Is Jesus calling you out on it this morning? He called Martha out on it. He commended her sister, Mary. And he said, why? This was absolutely needed in her life. And so, you know, I've got a confession to make. I'm embarrassed to say because I have lived a hectic life. This is my 32nd year as a pastor. I've been in full-time ministry since I was the age of 23. And I've just kept going and going and going. In the middle of lockdown, the Holy Spirit confronted me and said, James, you're living life too fast. You're living life too fast. I've got so much more for you, but you're going to have to slow down in order to discover it. You see, on more than one occasion in my life, I'm embarrassed to say, I've said to the Lord, would you hurry up and speak to me? I don't have much time. (laughs) Not in those exact words, because I respect and fear the Lord. But the bottom line, that's what I was saying. You know, speak to me, Lord, in my time, not your time. What does he make everything beautiful in? His time. And I'm trying to live on my time. Wow, so we understand today that there's the the three, what are the three main core kingdom values that we all know? Love, peace, and one more, joy. Love, joy, and peace are three kingdom values. Let me tell you, when you're in right relationship with Jesus and you're in right relationship with man, I want to tell you, those three values come alive in your life. They become kingdom realities. Those realities are so real to you that you just know that you know that love is alive in your life, that joy is alive in your life, that peace that passes all understanding is alive in your life. That love, that feeling of that, that undistracted vibe of concentrated attention on you from the Lord where you're feeling his love boring into your soul. And what about joy? When joy comes alive within your life, this is what happens. You are present in the moment. The more present in the moment you get, the more joy starts becoming like a fountain that springs up from the depths of your soul today. And if you think about peace this morning, I want you to think maybe even there's an example. That you could dwell on in the last seven days. Where you needed to be somewhere, but you're running behind time. What do you do? You hurry up. That means your kids have to hurry up. That means your husband has to hurry up. That means that your wife has to hurry up. Suddenly, your lateness is now creating hurry for everybody. Now, I want to ask you the question Did did you feel the deep, abiding sense of the shalom of God in that moment? (laughs) Did those who are connected to you feel the deep, abiding sense of the shalom in that moment? Or was it, hurry up, get in the car, we need to go? I, I, I got three boys, I know what I'm talking about today. So, you see, here's the truth love, joy, and peace are the commodities that God is wanting to sow into the soil of your heart. But you've got to slow down. You've got to slow down in order to experience them and the depth of those commodities. Walter Adams was C.S. Lewis's spiritual mentor, and this is what he had to say about it. C.S. Lewis, we all know C.S. Lewis's great uh, literary works, many of them being put to film. He said this, He spoke this to C.S. Lewis himself. To walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. What wise words. But Pastor James, what planet are you on? This is the 21st century. This is the way we live life. That's my point. That's exactly right. It's the way we live right, but is it the right way we live life? And isn't it time to recognise that you are in control of your destiny? that you are able to master your clock, that you are able to change your schedule, that you are able to make adjustments within your life in order to slow down and meet with Jesus and get to know him all over again and allow the peace that passes all human understanding to hit your spirit in Jesus' mighty name. Of course, there's a place and a time for hurry. That 111 emergency call. You don't want them taking their time. (laughs) You want them to get there in a hurry. When your wife's waters break, husband, do not take your sweet time. You will get a slap at some point if that's going to be your attitude. Oh, don't worry about it, honey. We'll just get there when we get there. Yeah, right. Or when that toddler runs onto the street. Oh, yeah, you better be quick. You better find some speed right there and then in order to make sure that that toddler is still going to be around. But the problem, friends, is this, is that hurry has become our default setting. We wake up with hurry. We wake up and we have to get going And we have to match the speed of the society we're living in in order to keep up. Something is wrong. Something needs to be rectified within our hearts in order to change the way that we're we're living. And here's the truth. Friends, listen to this. Did you know it hasn't always been this way? Did you know once upon a time, not in a fairy tale, but once upon a time that people actually went to bed when the moon came up? They went to bed at sundown and they got up at sunrise. In the summer, they worked long and full days and in the winter, they enjoyed a slower pace because the days were shorter and they weren't governed by this thing called a clock because there wasn't a clock. Hello? In 1370, the first clock was erected in the city of Cologne in Germany. That's the first record of a clock being erected in the world. And suddenly the world started changing. Do you know why it changed? Because it segmented and sliced our day into time pieces. And suddenly our life was ruled by this thing called the clock. 1879, a man called Thomas Edison invented a thing called the light bulb. And the light bulb did something that people at the time were jumping up and down over. It meant that we could carry on our day into the night. It meant that we no longer went to bed after the sun went down, but we continued to stay up and to stay up late because we now could see with the electric light bulb, and this dramatically changed the way that people uh, were behaving in their world. Did you know, I picked this stat up this week. This is an incredible stat. Did you know prior to 1879 what the average night's sleep was? 11 hours. Do you know what the median? Do you know what the median sleep average is now? It's seven hours. We have lost over 150 years. We have lost approximately four hours sleep per night because of the pace of the world that we live in. <laughs> wow! So we then took it another level, and we invented time-saving devices. Like, instead of walking and catching up with everybody, we're now driving. And we want to drive faster. We want to get there quicker. We want to save more time. Instead of cooking our own food, how many enjoyed cooking your food over lockdown? How many of you discovered new recipes? Man, I discovered some new recipes, but I didn't cook them. I just ate them. Praise God. <laughs> they were delicious. Um, and we traded cooking our own meals for takeaways. What about writing by hand? I write about two lines by hand now and I get cramp. We've traded writing by hand to communicate with emails and we fire those emails out left, right, and center. You would have got a few of those from me as well over uh, the lockdown period. So this is all supposed to save us time, but guess what, it hasn't worked. Where did all the time go that we saved? You know where it all went? We spent it on something else. We spent it on something else. I think back, I'm a 1964 baby, so I grew up in the as a toddler in the 60s, and then in the decade of the 70s, the greatest music that was ever, ever formed, come on, in the 70s, yep, <clears throat> Disco, Saturday Night Fever, come on, John Travolta and Olivia Newton, I was going to say Neutron Bomb, I mean Olivia Newton. <laughs> But guess what? Shops were closed on the weekend in New Zealand. We had no distractions on Saturdays and Sundays. We did have Friday night late shopping. Do you remember that? Remember that? So we'd finish work on Fridays and then we'd go downtown, downtown, and we'd hit the shops on Friday night because they were open till 9 p.m. Can you believe it? Nine o'clock at night. We could shop till. But the shops weren't open Saturday and Sunday. There was no pressure on retail staff to be there seven days a week trying to get their sales and get things. You see, friends, life has changed so much and it has eroded year by year, decade by decade until now, everything's open all the time. Right now, they're trying to take away Easter and they're trying to take away Christmas from us, the only two last survivors in in our calendar at the moment. And so we understand that this is an erosion. It's an erosion and it's a quickening of the pace of our lives where once again we have many, many more distractions. There's two major turning points in history that have changed the world. For those of you that know history, 1440 was the Gutenberg press, printing press where they began to print and make books People learnt how to read. It dramatically changed the world. Up until then, for example, in the church, the clerics or the clergy were the only ones that ever read the Bible and it was read in Latin a language that nobody understood. But when the Bible was printed in English, it dramatically changed the world and gave birth to the Protestant Reformation, where Christianity changed forever right around the world. It also gave way to the Enlightenment movement because suddenly knowledge was available to people. That dramatically turned the world upside down. But the second major point in history where things have changed, drum old In 2007, a man called Steve Jobs invented a piece of equipment that he called the iPhone. And the iPhone put into everybody's hand and into their pocket the ability to connect with anything and anyone right around the world 24-7. Friends, the iPhone and the smartphone has dramatically changed the behaviour of the whole world. I've been to poverty-stricken nations where I've watched young people hold a smartphone in their hand, totally, totally enamoured and distracted by this little screen where there's poverty all around about them. It has dramatically changed. Not long after he, uh, Job's invented the iPhone, Facebook was also invented by Druckerberg. And Facebook completely transformed the way that people relate to one another. And he, he was a very smart man. You see, you see, friends, what we don't understand is that these things aren't the product. You're the product. I'm the product. And Google and Facebook and the digital giants They are consuming the product, which is you and I. Don't ever kid yourself that 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 this is the product that we hold with an ant. No, you're the product. And economists are now calling the new era. This is what they're calling the new era. They're calling the new era the attention economy. So digitally, all over the world, digital architects are now designing all their apps with one thing in mind, to keep you on your phone as long as they possibly can because more time on your phone equals more money. How many of you have done a Google search recently and then suddenly in all your feeds, that thing that you were searching for suddenly shows up day after day after day because they're all linked together? Wow. Wow. Recent studies show that users are averaging two and a half hours daily through 76 sessions on their smartphones. Two and a half hours a day. Now, that's actually quite light use for most people these days. And have you ever taken a look at the app that's now available on most of your phones on how much time you've actually been spending on your phone? You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked at how many unlocks you've done. On your phone during the course of the day because your phone is now part of you as a person. It's been programmed into you. Now, look, I'm not this is not a big thing I'm talking about. The evilness of this, and this is the mark of the beast, and beware of your phone. I'm not talking about like this, but I'm pointing out to you, friends, that this has changed the way the world lives, it's changed the way we do business, it's changed everything about the way we relate to each other. It's absolutely destroying millennials' lives and gen Z. It's like, do you know why it's destroying them? Because they're all comparing themselves with one another on social media, filled with anxiety, filled with anxiousness because somebody's doing better than them. They don't realise that people are only posting their best life, not their darkest moments on social media. And so we've got this massive comparison trap that's destroying the hearts and minds of people as they sit there on their news feeds and their social media feeds, getting destroyed as they become envious and jealous of somebody who's... Living the life. So, as somebody once accused me of, I'm coming in for a landing. Here's the question I want to pose to you as we finish this message today. What is all this distraction, addiction, and pace of life doing to our souls? What is it doing to us? Ironically, because of time today, we're going to have a part two to this message where I'm going to address how we can change this. But I'm sure there's many of you that want to rectify this problem within your life today. We feel it gnawing at our soul. We feel the spiritual emptiness of hurry sickness all around us. We feel the daylight robbery that's been taking place within our life. We know we're not as close to Jesus as what we need to be because we've been so distracted. We've become anxious. We've become troubled. We know that the destructive power of not slowing your life down eventually is going to bite at some point in time. You ever heard of burnout? Many, many, many people have suffered burnout over the years. And so I'm going to give you a little taster as we finish the message today about where we're heading with this. You see, Jesus knew all this was going to happen. And he gave some of the greatest advice that's ever been given on how to combat hurry sickness within our lives. Matthew uh, Matthew 11 verse 28, Come to me, all you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to read this slowly to you. All right? Come to me. Come to me. Jesus is calling you. Come to me. Don't go to all your self-help manuals. Don't go to all these other sources that are going to promise the fix for your life. He said, come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You're feeling the bite of the pace of your life. You're feeling the bite of the anxiousness of your life. I will give you rest. He's going to change something in you. He's going to do something through you and in you that is going to help you. He's going to give rest for your soul. That's not just taking a vacation and going on a holiday in a resort thinking that the great distraction will fix the problem of the pace of your life. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about I'm going to give you genuine substance, spiritual rest in your spirit that's going to enable you to navigate the world without all the anxiousness and the difficulties and the problems. I'm going to give you true rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. And lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to finish with a reading of Eugene Peterson's version of this portion of Scripture. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. There's a lot of God in this. There's a lot of God in this right now. Unforced rhythms. You're not being a tryhard, forcing things down your throat, down your heart, into your life. No, this something of the kingdom of God that has power here to bring about an unforced rhythm of God's grace working within your life that will change the way that you're doing life. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely And lightly. Wow. Man. To live easy. To live light. It doesn't sound like a deep burden to me. It sounds like something of the equation that God has for our life. That is going to begin to turn our lives upside down. Part of the answer friends is this. He says work with me. Walk with me. Watch how I do it. You see, it's not just looking at the life of Jesus. It's looking at the lifestyle of Jesus that's going to give you a breakthrough. It's not just looking at his teachings. It's not just looking at the ethics of Jesus, what's right and what's wrong. It's looking at how he lived his life and adopting that for your life and watch the mega change begin to happen. Could we close our eyes for a moment, please? Lord, I'm so grateful that your people have turned up to meet with you this morning. Lord, I've turned up because I want to meet with your people and I want to meet with you. And this morning, Lord, as as you would put a full stop on this message, I know that the message is going to carry on in our hearts and lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And my brothers and sisters, as we take just a moment to bow our heads in prayer this morning, I'm sure God has been speaking to most of us because we're aware that we're all in the same boat. We live in the same society. But I sensed this morning in the worship a deep cry for a deeper connection with him. Removing these barriers to intimacy is going to change your life. And I believe we've come to the point in history where this is no longer optional for us in the sense that everything is optional. But God says, if you want to move ahead with me, this isn't optional. It's time to open your hearts as wide as you possibly can. And say, Lord, help me not to be like the foolish man that heard your word, went away, did nothing about it. The storms came and his house crashed over. Help me to be a hearer and a doer of your word. Help me to put into practice today, Lord, what I sense the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart about. So Lord, right now in this moment, I'm praying the finger of God, the Holy Spirit, to touch every heart and every life in our auditorium this morning. I'm praying those this morning that are watching on the internet, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will draw you near to himself right now. And that you will experience his touch for your life today. But it's got to be more than a touch, because sometimes a touch doesn't bring change. God wants to bring change. Change. Just with every head bowed this morning, I never assume that every single person that comes to this auditorium is current and up to date with God part of us gathering together today is that God wants to bring you up to date with himself. And maybe you're feeling a bit behind the eight ball this morning and the Lord's been speaking to you and saying, will you get your heart right with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment, if you want that for your life, I'd like to pray with you. Cl- quickly slip up your hand, I'm not going to embarrass you. You can stay in your seat where you are. If God is speaking to you this morning about reconnection with him, that you, I'd love to pray with you this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Okay, Father, we just give you glory. Thank you so much, Lord, that we've been able to gather together after 10 weeks of not meeting. We are grateful more than we could ever know or understand. So, Lord, today I, I pray and release the blessing of God the Father. I pray the peace of God that passes all understanding would be upon every heart and life. And I pray, Lord, as we go out and as we release ourselves back out into the world today, that your power and your love would flow through our lives. Help us to slow down and connect with you in a new way. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. amen, amen. Well, it's good to be back.